Hey, everybody. This is Frankie from the Breakpoint Podcast. We want to thank you all for tuning in to Marcus and I discussing our love and passion for the game of tennis. Your engagement and support goes a long way to helping this podcast continue to grow. Please be sure to give us a follow. Rate our podcast on our social channels, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, or any other place that you get your podcasts. And on social media, Instagram at Breakpoint Podcast 7, Twitter at Breakpoint Pod 7, LinkedIn, and of course, our website, podpage.com forward slash break dash point dash podcast. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you're the first to know when there's a new episode drop and more people like you can find our podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Breakpoint Podcast starring myself, Marcus, and my co-host Frankie. Frankie, thank you and Arabelle for holding down the fort. Last episode was fantastic. I really, really enjoyed listening to it uh, on one of my way too many plane rides. So thank you guys for holding it down. How things been? Well, somebody has to actually do this podcast while you jet set all over the world and vacation. Foreign concept to me personally. Um, no, uh, I wish I was more like Marcus. Let me tell you. Um, it was, uh, it was good, man. Um, we will do another episode. You know what we're actually overdue for? We're overdue for like a per, you know what? I was thinking actually we could do this for the hundredth episode, which is coming up very rapidly. I might add for our listeners. That's right. That's right. Um, Been a long time. We should, we should probably do like a personal life sort of update and, you know, talk about that because I feel like we haven't done that for like 85 episodes. Um, but Marcus, while you were away, uh, and since the last time, uh, we spoke to you all listeners, the ATP tour finals began. Um, first off, I suppose we should talk about the groups, right? So, uh, one group is, uh, they're called green and red. I'm not doing that nonsense, but like group one is Novak Djokovic, Holger Rune, uh, Carlos, not Carlos. Oh, no. Carlos Alcaraz and Zverev, right? That's group. That's one group. No, I got the groups pulled up right here. Oh, did I? We got. Them? Is it Medvedev and Rublev with? No so it's Sin- green group is Sinner, Djokovic, Runa, Sitsipas. Right. Red group it. we've got Medvedev, Zverev, Alcaraz, and Rublev. Um, yes, thank you. And as of recording, uh, for e- each group has played at least one match. Um, each player in each group has played a match. We had to record this a little bit later. Uh, so Yannick Sinner took on Pass yesterday, took him out 6-4, 6-4 pretty routinely. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, and then uh, Novak Djokovic defeated Holger Runa in a long, long three-set match that we're also going to talk about um, that, that I really want to get your thoughts on, Frankie. And then today, uh, Medvedev took care of Rublev pretty handily, 6-4, 6-2, kind of as expected, and how they're you know, tennis relationship has, has been going in recent memory. And Alex Zverev took out Carlos, which I think is the biggest surprise that we're also going to get into. So I think Frankie, you know, obviously we want to do some predictions. I think our predictions um, might change a little bit after today uh, and yesterday's results. So let's talk a little bit about the green group. Anything stand out to you there? In terms of Sinner, Sitsipas, for me, there's nothing really too much to talk about. I think Sinner's been looking really, really good. And I think Sitsipas has just been totally not focused on tennis, which, uh, is fine. Um, I just don't want to hear him, you know, not taking criticism well when it's clear that his priority is not tennis at the moment. So 
that, that's pretty much my take on him. I know you're a little bit more passionate, we'll call it, about him. No, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I, I honestly think that the analysis you just gave is exactly right. His head is very clearly not focused on tennis. I think the other thing that sort of stands out to me that actually was a Greg, Greg Rosetsky quote on Eurosport. I don't know if you saw it. But he yep. said that he just compl- – oh, no, I did. I sent it to you. Um, right. He completely <laughs> has regressed. Uh, his backhand slice is worse. His block return is worse. Like, he has just gotten worse as a player. And I think that that is 100% correct and valid criticism. And he just needs a new coach. Like, he needs a coach that he's going to respect and actually listen to and not fire the second that things get tough. Um, because his father is quite simply not challenging him enough or is just not a good enough coach at this point in his career. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm getting tired of speaking about this, to be honest with you. Like, obviously I get heated with you off camera about like this stuff, but like genuinely for, for this podcast, like it, it, he's irrelevant. It is not, he is not worth the amount of time that we spend on him during this podcast. I'm done. He is not relevant. Moving on to the players that actually matter and care about the sport. Holger Rune. I, this guy against Novak Djokovic is a fascinating matchup that I would love to hear your sort of thoughts as to why he's so successful. Uh, I mean, obviously he lost the match, which stinks, but like he has consistently played him really, really tough, has beaten him in the past, is bringing him to three sets every single time in these critical tie breaks, everything like that. I think Boris Becker has been a really, really smart hire by Holger Runa, and he's clearly a very coachable kid, which is a really great thing to be. And that's the sort of commonality that stands out with both with all of them, with Sinner, Alcaraz, and Runa. All three of them seem to be really coachable guys who are flexible to sort of learning and adapting their game, which I really, really respect. Um, next up is Sinner. Sinner, I think is the hottest player in the world right now, to be honest. Uh, it's got to be him and Djokovic, 1A, 1B. Um, you know, just playing at such a strong level, his serve clearly has taken yet another step up. And for me, actually, uh, you know, what has stood out for me is that his his return has just gotten exceptional over the past few weeks. He's really, really just going for it, trying to get himself easy points and put himself into breakpoint positions, which is really just so important. And you combine that with a really strong serve, and you can see why he's being so successful, particularly on like a faster indoor hard court like we're playing on right now. I think that he's potentially found a niche, and I would not be surprised if he won this whole thing, to be honest. But we'll get into predictions a little bit later. Uh, last Lastly, from this group, Novak Djokovic, the guy's the best player in the world. He's the best player of all time. I don't really need to say anything more than that. He is the odds-on favorite. Yeah, agree with you on Joker. Um, there's nothing really too much to add there. Same with Sitsipas. Uh, call me when you actually care about tennis again at a high level. Uh, Holger Rune is the one who I really want to talk about because I think you're pretty much spot on with Sinner. I think there's nothing really too much to get into. One, you mentioned how come he has such a good not even just record, but just kind of pushing ability to push Djokovic to the limit. I think it's because he's a poor man's Djokovic. I think he plays a very, very similar style in terms of super steady from the baseline. And he's one of those guys who can take charge when needed, but he's pretty solid off of both wings is not afraid to move into the court and take charge. And he also, um, 
he's also got a, like an like an attitude about him, and I think that that really helps his game. What I wanted to get your thoughts on, and Frankie, is we have previously not going to say ripped or roasted, but have noted um, Carlos's fitness and his cramping. Holger is notoriously known for cramping when it goes into long matches, and I'm not sure what's going on, but his team really needs to figure this out because if you're cramping on an indoor hardcourt match in three sets on the very first match of a tournament, and bear in mind, this is not a Grand Slam where you got to win seven to go all the way. Um, that's concerning for me. Uh, I know that he's young. I know that he's you know been with a couple different coaches now. He's constantly switching up his team. Uh, but I think that somewhere down the line, this is really going to hurt his chances because I think from a talent perspective, he can win a slam. I don't think there's anything kind of stopping him from winning at least one. I think that physically it's an issue for me, and I want to get your thoughts on is this an emotional stress thing? Do you think this is just poor preparation, poor hydration? Because there are a lot of factors when it comes to cramping, and with Carlos, it's a little bit more easily identifiable because you could see he's so like at least like an energetic bunny and he gets so amped that he gets so tight and then it'll just cramp up at any second i don't know what's going on with holger and it's always in his legs if you've noticed it's not like carlos sometimes gets in the wrist or the forearm it with holger it's always in the legs is it a style i want to get your thoughts yeah um I, you know, it's funny with the poor man's Novak. I mean, obviously, that's something that I've said, too. He reminds me of Novak more than any of them, just mentally, at least for sure. He is by far the most like Novak. Uh, game style wise, I don't really know who he's like because he's not he's not quite as like like he can be grinding like Novak can on a clay surface. Um, so he's got like just an odd style that I don't really know how to describe yet. Um, and I'm still working it out, to be honest with you. Um, as for the cramping question that you've had, yeah, it's, if you're cramping on an indoor hard court, something is wrong. I mean, that's just, just plain out, call it. That's number one. Number two, if you're cramping in the first round of a tournament, something is wrong, right? So that, like, we're talking about two things that are really, really distinctly wrong there. Um, I personally think that it is a combination of both of the things that you said, unfortunately. So I'm sorry I can't give you like a better answer. I think No, that's fine. It could be a combo I, too. I, I, I think I think one is a lot of these younger guys, outside of Sinner, ironically, who is somebody whose physicality we have questioned, um uh are not used to playing this many matches. Like you don't realize like when you become the higher seed, you're naturally going to progress into the tournaments more. And rather than playing like two to three matches and you have a big upset, but then you run out of steam, you're playing like four to five matches and you're getting into that second week and it just adds and adds and adds. And it's just, it's a lot more matches. And by this time of the year, it adds up. So I think that's number one. I think their bodies, particularly for Holger, it, it's just not ready like that yet. Like Holger has got more like sinners sort of body where it's like, that's a boy. Like he's not like a man. Whereas like Carlos, like you saw him and you're just like, that guy has bigger biceps than me. And I'm eight years older than him. <laughs> right. So like, um, you know, I think that's, that's part of it. But I also think part of it is the emotional side. And that is really why I think we have not seen 
Sinner have as much of a cramp problem? Is like Sinner is very like even keeled throughout most of his matches his entire career. Whereas like the fiery sides of Holger and Carlos, like this is sort of the downside of it is like clearly it's having an effect on their cramping and on their like fitness levels. I don't think that Holger's is in the same way that Carlos's is where like I think Carlos is like fiery and like he just gets so amped up like his adrenaline just goes through the through the roof. Right. I think Holger's is like almost like a stress like he is like thinking so much and thinking constantly and like worried about losing and the anxiety of it. Like that's more of what I'm seeing from Holger personally. I don't know about you, but that's sort of my take on the cramping thing with Holger. Yeah, I think it could be due to the lack of matches. I mean, especially when you're coming from the junior tour and you're going on to a full ATP tour so early. I mean, even Djokovic struggled early in his career. I know he was a little, he wasn't cramping as much, but um, I think you got to kind of take those if it years. Went to over hundred degrees. Novak couldn't play. Let's be clear for the first like few I, years of his career. Yeah, I mean, if it went over eighty, he was having problems, and he still has issues when it's in in devastating heat. So, I mean, he obviously, you know, tested things out and found something that works for him. I think that these guys are going through that process currently. I mean, honestly, all those guys kind of go through that phase, even the greats, except for Nadal, which raises a lot of questions of how he was able to do what he was able to do, but we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Holger's just got a really, I don't know if he's got to hire a new physio or a new fitness coach or a new nutritionist, whatever it might be. He needs to figure this out because um, it's not, it's, it's just, he's just leaving a lot of potential out there. I think that can be tapped into if he gets into his physicality, because if you're able to challenge Djokovic on a regular basis, that means something. I mean, not many guys are. The only guy who I can think of who can do that is Carlos, outside of Holger at the moment, and Medvedev from time to time. So, you know, other than that, I don't really see anybody who can who can do that. So, um, Frankie, let's get into the other group while we're still here. Uh, we've got Medvedev, Tsverev, Carlos, and Rublev. In my opinion, Frankie, um, Medvedev looked pretty much prime, indoor hardcore, kind of his thing, hits nice and flat paces a little quicker on those courts in Turin. I think it's perfect form. Um, Andre, unfortunately, just going to be a serial quarterfinalist the rest of his life, so he probably won't make it out of the group. The real interesting one that I want to get into is Zverev and Carlos. So Carlos lost early last week in Paris, You know, made some comments saying that he needs to kind of figure out a schedule that works for him, is still getting used to the rigors of the tour, kind of like what we were talking about with Holger. Um, Tsverev someone's experienced though and Tsverev is someone who has done exceptionally well against Carlos in the past and we've talked about why and it's because of that big game do you think that this win Frankie was more more Alex kind of finding his rhythm and having an advantage over Carlos or do you think Carlos has kind of tapped out emotionally physically and maybe even mentally for this for the rest of this year I think I think it's actually more Carlos I, I think Carlos just looks shot to be honest with you um, I have not really loved how Carlos has looked these past few weeks. I think his body is just, his body's done. Um, you know, he is definitely going to be the person who benefits the most from sort of the off season, but something I do want to highlight to you. And again, the literal best page for tennis, um, on all of Instagram is tennis insights. Um, they have some really fantastic stuff. Um, you know, when it comes to, uh, 
you know, like taking a look at like the analytical and data side of tennis. And before the start of the tournament, they released sort of a, you know, a, a scatter plot of showing like first forehand and backhand shot quality. You're never going to guess who was in the top right in terms of highest forehand, highest backhand shot quality of the eight. Marcus? Carlos and Djokovic? Not Carlos. Center? Uh, Novak is definitely firmly one. Uh, the backhand. For both, forehand and backhand. Oh, it's a combination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then Novak, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sinner was number two. Carlos is number three. Medvedev's number four. They're all kind of pretty close right there. Yeah. But, and what I think was the biggest difference in this match, final eight 2023 shot quality, serve and return. So, Guess who has the best serve quality of all of the eight guys? Only serve. Yeah, only serve for this one. Is it Zverev? It is Sasha Zverev. Yeah. Okay. And today in his match, in his match, he had an AI serve. It's from zero to 10. He had an AI serve rating, serve effectiveness rating, uh, effectiveness and quality of 9.4%. That uh, of 9.4 on 76% of his first serves, they were either aces unreturned or it put him in a position to be in attack. Uh, The tour average is 58%. So he is well above average uh, on that on this surface. His first serve is just hitting. And we've spoken about this for two years now when Sasha Zverev's serve is on. He is one of the most unbeatable players on the tour, if not the most unbeatable, because there's not really a lot of flaws to his game. And Carlos, my criticism of him, your criticism of him, Arabelle's criticism of him, he doesn't have a lot of easy points. And when you get to this late in the season, it's those easy points that sort of help to, you know, lengthen your body out and 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 not put so much stress on you which is kind of the thing that i think holger struggles with too he's another one doesn't really have a lot of easy points he's not getting them you know and that's where i think sinner and darren cahill who is going to be a coach of the year nominee for this year has done a really nice job of saying hey jan if you focus on your serve you're going to get a lot more easy points your body's going to be able to hold up a lot more yeah, you're spot on. I was just taking a look at the stats from today's match against Carlos. Zverev served 77%. I mean, that's that's incredible. In Bonk- comparison, bonkers. his year-to-date average is 70%, so he went up to 77 Uh And his second serve points, one, has been at about 50% all year, which um, is much higher than it has been in years prior. So he's improved his also his ace to double fault ratio. I mean, his serve is clearly improved, and this is why he... Honestly, Frankie, if you and I... I don't think we would have predicted him to make the top eight tour finals at the beginning of the year. I, I was going to tell you, uh, that's one thing I forgot to mention. The One of the most incredible accomplishments this year is Sasha Zverev getting to this top eight this is incredible this is comeback player of the year stuff oh easy easy yeah. i mean that's an uh, we'll announce that winner right now it's him right and and like yeah. it's it is remarkable because he 
forget like looking like himself like he was he actually in my opinion kind of looks better yeah <laughs> it's Evolved. crazy yeah no he evolved i mean he retained what he had you know what he had obviously great ground game um improved volleys that like we had seen but his serve game has just i mean he almost won a he almost won a slam serving like 50 miles an hour so imagine of what he does if he actually can serve so you know it's really impressive by sasha and i'm glad that he's back and that he's you know playing at this high level frankie let's review the rest of the group matches so tomorrow we've got stefano Tsitsipas, holger runa djokovic center which is going to be kind of the highlight match of the group um who makes it out of that group as things currently stand? We'll start with that green group of Sitsipas, Runa, Djokovic Center. Um, you know, uh, I think Jan probably gets the win knocked out of him by Novak, truthfully. I that's just a really bad like playstyle matchup for him, unfortunately, at this point. Um, unless he's got some firepower that I haven't seen and the Italian crowd really boosts him up, but um, I would take Novak winning the group there, uh, and I would take Sinner very narrowly over Runa, to be honest. That match is going to be very close, and Runa is the type of guy that like probably will benefit if the crowd is going against him, to be honest. Um, but I would still take Sinner. I think Sinner is like in his head is like, I got to at least get to the final four you know, at home in Northern Italy, but we'll see. That That's sort of my pick. Yeah, this can get things can get really dangerous for whoever loses the Djokovic center match because they're playing Runa in the final round. Assume well, not not both of them. Sinner would. Um so if Sinner loses to Djokovic, things could get hazy if Runa beats Sitsipas, which I think because, he will, by the because way. Because Sinner needs to get a because Runa got a set off of Novak. So Sinner would need, if I'm remembering the tiebreakers correctly. Center would need to get a set off of, of Novak, which I don't know if he'll do. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I, I'm assuming Djokovic goes three and zero because I would assume he would beat Tsitsipas in the last match. So at that point, it just depends on who goes two and one, and that would be Sinner and Runa in that final round. Um, I'm going to give a really hot take here. I'm kind of feeling Runa to make it out of this. I don't think that's a hot take. I I, I think. Runa over center in northern Italy. Yeah, I mean, I think Runa beat like like got a set off of Novak, which is a, a huge win for him. You know, he's gonna be the one that sort of has the sort of you know win behind his sails. That being said, I mean, if no, if if Sinner plays a really good match against Novak, you would pick him confidence-wise to beat Runa. I mean, he's looked better than Runa over the past two months. So, I, I don't know. But also, it wouldn't really surprise me, like, as much as I just ripped on Sitsipas, like, if Sitsipas is serving well, don't be surprised if he beats Runa. Like, also, like this is the beauty of the top, you know, the, the tour finals. Like, all of these guys are good enough that if they turn up one day, they can beat one another pretty easily. Right, like Casparu yeah. got to the final four last year, and nobody saw that coming. So, yeah, no, totally true. It's definitely kind of a kind of a crapshoot, but 
I'm going to go Djokovic-Runa. Djokovic 1, Runa 2, and you're going Djokovic center. Is that right? Cool. Group 2. Group 2 has honestly... If we had done this before the tournament, we probably would have said Medvedev Carlos. I'm not sure we can say that anymore. Carlos is slated to play Rublev on Wednesday and Daniil against Zverev. Really interesting because Daniil just kind of somehow owns Zverev right now, especially over the last couple of matches. I believe Medvedev has won pretty much every single one. Um and I, I would assume that Carlos takes out Rublev. I mean, I could tell you why. Sure. Because he makes Zverev incredibly uncomfortable. Zverev can't be the backboard. Zverev can't be defensive. Zverev can't do what he likes to do in a lot of these tense matchups. He has to attack. He is forced to attack against Medvedev, and Medvedev loves that. You're uncomfortable. That's so you're... Gonna, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think Met, like my genuine pick before this we saw Zverev win was going to be Medvedev winning the group and Carlos barely skating in in second. Ooh. Um, just because I was very like the way that he looked in Paris was bad. Like that was horrible. I don't know if you caught any of it or saw the highlights. Carlos did not look good. And, you know, for me, I am now getting concerned that he might lose all three matches. To be honest with you, really, Carlos yeah. losing all three—that is a hot take. Why you think he's going to beat Medvedev with how he looked? Well, I think he beats Rublev. I don't know. You think Rublev so wins a match know. in this group? I don't know. I- I'm saying that it's not a certainty. Um, to be fair, nothing in this tournament is fair. Um, yeah, I mean, my pick—I'm going to agree. I'm assuming you're going Med Medvedev winning Zverev in second. Okay, well, I'll tell you that's my pick. So it's so tough because. Okay, I think I, I think Rublev's out. Like that. That's not, not going to disagree. Sure. Like I think I think right, boy, and I you know what it is. I really like him, but he's just not good enough. To be like, clear, I love Andre Rublev. He's awesome. He's an, he's an awesome guy. Yeah, he's just unfortunately not good enough. Um. If Zverev beats Med, things get really interesting. Yeah, but he's not going to beat Med. (laughs) See, I don't, you know, Zverev is one of those guys where, like, he always really surprises at the ATP Tour Finals. He's won it, well, I think twice now. Um, Right, 17 and 19, is that right? He won it in Turin when... Or 21 in Turin. Did he win it in 21 in Turin? Yeah, he won it 21 in Turin when nobody thought he would win it. I mean, nobody. So for me to not count him out against Med, screw it. I'm picking him over Med. So I think Sverev ends up one in the group. I, even if he loses the Rublev, it doesn't matter. 18 and, and 21. Yes, he won. Yeah. In Turin, 21. He won in Turin, beating Daniil Medvedev. <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm 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 deja I'm getting deja vu here, Frankie. So I, I you know what? I'm doing it. I'm picking Sverev one and I'm picking Carlos two. 
Haunted. You are you are just coming in from your South American vacation this and is, just throwing out some. You're you are throwing the darts, baby, and I respect that. Muy caliente. It is hot in here. I'm taking fucking Carlos. Let's do it. That's really good stuff. That's what you listen to the Breakpoint podcast for. All right, Marcus. So, of your final four, um, who do you think is going to end up winning it? Because we've got different matchups, so I'm not going to get into that. Plus, we'll probably do maybe a podcast on that later in the week, whatever. Um, why don't you just tell me who you think is going to win? I'm going to go Sverev. It is so... Bo- My boy it is, is drinking the spe- <laughs> He is choo-choo. He is leading the bandwagon, leading the express. He's the conductor. And Dude. there, ladies and gentlemen, is the first German person to give a crap about Alexander Zverev's tennis career. Hey, Frankie, tomorrow's World Diabetes Day. We got to root for my boy. We got to make it happen. So uh, good. Let's do um, it. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to pick Novak Djokovic. Um, I think he's pretty good at tennis. He's not bad, um, yeah. But um, I will say this. Um, my concern with Novak is the following into this tournament. He has started to sound like a cocky asshole again. And he started to do that a lot when he was at Wimbledon, where he just assumed that he was going to win. And then he got burned and burned. He barely lost in the fifth set. I get it. I get it. But still, I, I think Novak I I don't like when he sounds like he's arrogant. I think it like puts him in the wrong mental state. I think he just sounds Serbian. (sighs) We can't say that. (laughs) 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 Um, uh, I. (sighs) Okay, Marcus, call me a homer. You know what? Let's double homer this baby, huh? I'm picking Sinner. All right. No, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Italy, let's go. Frankie's riding the bandwagon. He just wants it to happen so bad in his homeland. Yeah. I mean, why not, man? Come on. Did you see that intro? Did you see his intro highlight? Yeah, he's it's it's, sick. it's like going to a Serie A game there. It's like it's legit. Or, it's pretty you know. awesome. Then again, if this was in Belgrade, there'd be a bunch of flares and perhaps an incident, which will not be named. Um, let's just hope there's no Archdukes going around. Um, Can we petition to have the World Tour Finals in Belgrade before Djokovic's that would be career amazing. ends? That would be so good. That would be amazing. We should also have a group in Davis Cup of just the Yugoslavian countries. Nothing could go wrong. Um, anyway... That's going to do it for us here at Breakpoint Podcast. <laughs> we're going to end on that note. <laughs> it's good off the rails. Yeah, we're done. We're done. We, we're done. We're done. Um, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to Instagram DM us. Love you all. Adios. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>